All right. I am so excited what's happening in Paul's Valley. Uh, Elisha, when the Assyrians came to surround his home, his servant said, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid because there are more with us than are against us. And his servant probably was thinking, Elisha, you haven't woken up yet (laughs) because (laughs) there's only two of us. There was two of us when we went to sleep and there's two of us this morning. And so what are you talking about? And Elisha prayed and he asked the Lord a special request. What did he ask? Open up his eyes. And the Lord opened up his eyes, the servant of Elisha, and he beheld chariots of fire covering the area around the house and surrounding really the Assyrian forces. And so uh, we... We're in a very good place this afternoon. God is going to do great things. Prayer is definitely mysterious. Many years ago, they did not understand how elephants could migrate and avoid dangers without apparently communicating with each other. So sometimes the herds would be separated by miles and somehow they would all make shifts and turn and go in in the same direction. And the scientists really didn't understand why or how. And uh, a couple few decades ago, a lady by the name of Katie Payne went to the Portland Zoo, and she was standing next to the elephants, and she had a really strange sensation, and she couldn't understand why. And so she thought about it, she thought about it, And then she remembered when she was a little girl, she used to sing in a a choir next to a big bass pipe of an organ in New York. So there was a church in New York, York, and they had a big bass, uh, they had a big pipe organ and and then a big bass pipe on this organ. And she felt this, uh, these sound waves coming from this organ as a child. And so she said, that's what I thought, that's what I remembered when I was there in in the zoo. I felt like I was by that organ. And so she did some investigation. She recorded the elephants just standing there. And then with the scientists, they analyzed it with computers and did their research. And she discovered that elephants actually communicate with infrasonic rumbles, powerful deep calls that are below the threshold of human hearing that can travel through sound barriers, ordinary sound barriers like vegetation or land masses, for long distances. And so they have these infrasonic rumbles and they communicate. And so truly there's much about the universe that we don't understand yet. And truly there is much about prayer that we don't understand. But we can be assured of this. God hears us when we pray. The promises in God's Word in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 9, that when evil comes upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and Churches that are struggling to survive are indeed uh, that way because of attacks from the enemy. (laughs) And we're promised that if we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then God will hear and he will help. I remember when I was testing out prayer as a, as a young Christian, and it really is amazing. God does answer. He can do more through our prayers than anything else. 
In fact, we're told this before I get into that story. The greatest victories in gospel workers, which is a great pattern for building the church, the greatest victories which are gained to the cause, notice what they're not gained by. Labored arguments, ample facilities, abundance of influence, and plenty of means or money. Okay? So, the best, most persuasive argument, that's not the biggest key. The most beautiful facility, this is a beautiful facility, but that's not the biggest key. Having a good reputation or having good education, an abundance of influence, that is not the biggest key. Or having lots of money, that will not do it either. They are those victories which are gained in the audience chamber with God. When earnest, agonizing faith lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. And you know, no church is at a better point than when they depend totally upon the power of God. We are not alone in this place. There are angels of power and Satan trembles at the sound of earnest prayer for he knows that he will suffer loss. We are not here because we just had a great idea. We are here because God called us here and because it was his plan for a revival to happen. And if we want to see the greatest victories that we're looking for, we have to start with prayer. Notice, we must be much in prayer if we would make progress in the divine life. When the message of truth was first proclaimed, how much we pray! How often was the voice of intercession heard in the chamber, in the barn, in the orchard of the grove? Frequently, we spent hours. This was at the beginning during the midnight cry and the subsequent first angel's message going out. Frequently we spent hours in earnest prayer, two or three together. Was that a big meeting? No, but the angels were there with them, right? Claiming the promise. Often the sound of weeping was heard. And then the voice of thanksgiving and the sound, song of praise. And I must say, this building and the presence of this church, even in Paul's Valley, is here as a result of these prayers that were prayed so long ago, by humble people in barns, two or three. And so we can expect that it will be sustained by the same method that it was raised. Amen? Now the day of God is nearer than when we first believed we should be more more earnest, more zealous, and fervent than in those early days. So I would, uh, myself, test the, uh, excuse me, test the power of God in prayer. And I remember I was a student at Andrews University, in the seminary, and I came across a verse of Scripture that just made me stop. It's in Matthew chapter 18. It says, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Jesus said, Again I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And I thought to myself, Wow, that's amazing. You mean if I agree with another Christian on something that's in God's Word and His will, that it will be done for me? And I just simply took God at His Word. So I went, I was a college, I mean, I was a seminary student, I was a graduate student, and I determined that I needed the Holy Spirit more than anything. See, I had been, uh, before this, I was, I started praying with some other people and inviting them to come pray with me. And I had some amazing experiences. Like, one morning, uh, 
Um, I went out to this lake and I was praying there in the early morning, six o'clock in the morning. And I always loved looking at Orion and looking at the stars. And I would pray to God and how majestic he was. And one morning it was overcast and I was disappointed. I got out. It was cold that morning in Michigan, Bering Springs, and it was overcast. And I prayed to, to, to the Lord and I said, Lord, I know you don't need to. I said, but if you could, I would really appreciate you parting the clouds so I could see Orion. And I knew that it wasn't his highest purpose to part the clouds so I could see Orion. But I said, I would like it, you know, to, to have a glimpse of your glory and just to, to see your stars. The heavens declare your glory. And, you know, it was a very short prayer. I lifted up my, my eyes and just around Orion was a clear space. Everything else was still clouds, and there was just around Orion. I mean, it shocked me, but not really. It didn't really shock me. I should say it pleased me, but it didn't shock me, because I knew that God could do that. It was just like, wow, He really does care about little things like that. Another time I was waiting for a prayer partner at 6 o'clock a.m., uh, and I was outside of my little you know, apartment that I was renting. I just had a small family, a little child, and my wife. And, and I looked up at the beautiful sky, waiting in the darkness. And I love seeing meteorites. It just gives me perspective of the universe and, and uh, God's power. And I said, Lord, I, you don't have to, but if I could see a shooting star, I would really appreciate it. And as soon as I prayed that prayer, a blazing meteorite went right towards the belt of Orion. And I was, wow, amazing. It's like the hand of God moves at prayer. And then I started to tremble. I started to think, if prayer is really so powerful, and I started to see answers in different areas, things that we were praying for. If prayer is so powerful, what if I'm wasting my time and not asking for the most important requests? You know, what if I'm missing something by not asking for the most important items from God and gifts from God? I came across this quotation. It says, Could there be a convocation of all the churches on earth? The object of their united cry should be for what? The Holy Spirit. Whoops. Hold on. We're losing power here. Could there be a convocation of all the, of all the churches on earth? The object of their united cry should be for the Holy Spirit. When we have that, Christ, our sufficiency, is ever present. We shall have every want supplied. We shall have the mind of Christ. I love one-stop solutions. Life is so complex. You know, there's so many needs. We need power for healing and witnessing and for obedience and for uh, wisdom and knowledge. And, and there's so many things that we need. But here, encapsulated in the gift of the Holy Spirit, is every single thing that we need for success. We're told in Review and Herald, March 22, 1887, that a revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. What we need are not people to come to church. Yes, we want that. But what we need in order for that to happen is we need a revival in our hearts. And we need a transformation of our characters and the character of Jesus to be in us. And when that happens, 
then we will be able to minister and invite people with power and they will see that there's something different here. And so to seek this, a revival of true godliness among us, should be our first work. There must be earnest effort to obtain the blessing of the Lord. Not because God is not willing to bestow His blessing upon us, but because we are unprepared to receive it. Prayer does indeed have power. When I was down in Jamaica doing some meetings, uh, preaching down there, here's the picture of the church that I was preaching in. This was inland Jamaica, the poor area. Outside, every, every uh, starting with the second or third night, as soon as the preaching started, it sounded like a pack of dogs became possessed on the road down down on the on the street just below the church. Uh, this was on a hill, and so down on the on the street, it was weird because night after night, as soon as I started preaching, it sounded like you know the pigs that were possessed in the Bible, except it was dogs that were possessed. <laughs> they were really loud and obnoxious, and I was preaching the word of God, and this was going on, and I said. Let's stop and let's pray together. Now, there's a certain risk to that. You know, what if God doesn't answer that prayer? How do you look then, you know? There's a certain risk to that. But it's not about our reputation, right? It's about the Lord's reputation. And so I prayed in His name if it was His will. And we, we just bowed our heads and we said, Lord, please help the dogs to be quiet. And, you know... Every time we prayed until the dogs never even started for like two or three nights in a row, they came and as soon as we prayed, within 30 seconds or something, they were all quiet. Every single time. And by the, by the final time that it happened, it wasn't even like, Lord, if it would please you, possibly, hopefully. It wasn't like that. By the third time it happened, let's pray. We know, we, we bowed our heads. Lord, please stop the dogs. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. And they stopped, <laughs> again. And prayer is just so powerful, you know, to, to reach out to God. Uh, so many answers to prayer. I could tell you too many, and, and I'm sure you've had so many, so many answers yourself. Uh, Matthew 7, if we ask, it will be given. If we knock, uh, if we seek, we will find. If we knock, it will be opened to us. Prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. So God is not saying, oh, you again, asking for revival. Didn't we have this conversation yesterday? He's not saying that. He is, His treasure house is boundless. You know, I strengthened you yesterday and I gave you, you know, blessings to witness to that person. Again, you're asking. No, His treasure house is boundless. He, he has resources that are continual. And he never, this is how Jesus every single day, this is how Jesus received his power for ministry. And until we connect in the same way that Jesus did, we will not have the same results that Jesus did. So, you know, as I've heard many people try this, and I've experienced, you know, this in my own life, you try your own way again and again and again. But insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. So you try your own way, but really, we need to move the hand of God. This is His movement, His church. Back uh, back to the story about uh, Berrien Springs. So then I was like, i got to get together a group of people. So 
I decided that I would go and pray. How many of you have been inside Pioneer Memorial Church? Okay, it's a beautiful stone facility. It's just gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful church. And uh, here I was, you know, first-year seminary student. Who am I? I don't know anybody there. And, and I walk into the church and I say, I walk in to the secretary and I say, I would like to meet with a group of students in the church in the morning and I would like a key. <laughs> you know, I asked for a key to Pioneer Memorial Church. Can you believe it? They gave me a key. They didn't know me from anybody. They gave me a key. And so at 6 o'clock a.m., this is what I did. I said, all right, people are not going to come out if they think that it's never going to end. I said, all right, we'll just do it for 10 days. So get people addicted to prayer, you know, like a drug pusher gets people addicted to drugs. And so I said, I'll just get them addicted to prayer. And so I said, for 10 days, we're going to meet together, 6 o'clock. I need your commitment. And so we got together, and like it was cold. Like Berrien Springs is not warm in the, in the winter. And students would come with like their pajamas underneath their clothes. And I mean, you know, they were cold. And we came and it started to grow. It just started with this core group of maybe four people. And it started to grow. We had sometimes 10, sometimes 12, sometimes 14. And it started to grow. And I've, I've heard, you know, testimonies of that, you know, after, after it happened. One, uh, one young man that was there, he was in, in the college during the time that I was in seminary. He contacted me years later. He said, that was a high point in my whole Christian experience is meeting together for prayer. So then, that, you know, once I was hired as a minister, we always, always had a morning prayer meeting. And, and, uh, once a week where we just sought the Lord for this one gift, the Holy Spirit. So Sunday mornings, you know, either six or six thirty or et cetera. And I'm going to tell you one more story about what happened in, um, in California when I moved there. And I worked for Weimar. There was a small church there called the Colfax Church. And I had just been a pastor in Michigan. I moved out to work at Weimar Institute. And so I actually wasn't working in the official role of a pastor. So I was just starting over. No one knew me. You know, I didn't, ha you know, I just came and quietly sat in the pew and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I wasn't the pastor of the church or anything. And I went to the prayer coordinator and I said, would it be okay with you if I led a morning prayer meeting on Sunday? Sure, that's okay. So I managed to find a way to get a key to the church, and I got a key to the church. And six o'clock in the morning, I announced it. Two people came. You know, three, four, five, I don't know how many. All right. Some days it was only one person who came. Just one. Okay? But there was always, never, ever, within like two years, was there less than one person that showed up besides me. It was always another person. But there was one guy that always came faithfully. And he was an elder there. And he was quiet but very sincere. And we prayed fervently. And it didn't matter how many people were there. When we prayed, we left like we were walking on the clouds. We were so blessed. We started to pray for the functions of the church. We started a scripture memorization class on Tuesday evening. And we started to pray for that. Our prayer meeting during the week, our Tuesday evening prayer meeting slash scripture memorization class, started to explode. Like it, it looked like a church service. Usually it was a very small handful. That started to explode. Then families started to come out for their early morning prayer session at six o'clock. Okay, this is a six o'clock meeting. And parents are there with their kids, their families, at six a.m. in the morning. 
And then at 7 o'clock, where we usually ended, no one seemed to want to leave. Everyone was just sitting there talking. So I said, let's have testimonies from, <clears throat> from 7 o'clock to 7.30. Sounds like a great idea. So here's a bunch of people. It looks, you drive into the church on Sunday morning, and it looks like we're a Sunday-keeping church. It was like, it was amazing. But here's the thing. There was a period of wrestling where we had to claim the blessing of God by faith, not by sight. But His promises are so sure. When we pray His promises, when we claim His promises, we will never fail. So, I'm just pleased with what Paul, Paul Valley is doing right now. Um, Jason, thank you for, for what you do. Um, we will be praying with you, for you. Um, but we cannot, we cannot submit to having Satan's plan triumph and souls not being saved in Paul's Valley without a fight. And the fight is primarily on our knees. Let me just tell you one miracle story. Is that okay? All right. So this was a pretty incredible answer to prayer that my wife and I had. We had we had very very many answers to prayer, um, but this was one that was very precious to our hearts. We were poor. I was a seminary student, and well, I'm not connected anyway. Um, I'll just tell you this story then. Um, we, uh, I woke up one morning and I had like less than $3. And I needed to buy some fresh fruits and vegetables for my family and some other things. And it wasn't looking good. <laughs> I had like less than $3 to my name. And um, I decided that I would claim God's promises. So I, I, I memorized some Bible texts and I, I kind of knew what the Bible said. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to His glory in Christ Jesus. And it also says, 1 Timothy 5.8, But if any man does not provide for his own, and especially for his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I thought about that and I said, wait a minute. I am the son of my Father in heaven. This applies to him as well. So you have a responsibility here. <laughs> you know, to provide for your household as well as me provide. And I, I wasn't challenging, but what I, what I realized was he has the same desire to provide for me as I have to do provide for my family. And so I claimed that promise and I said, Lord, please supply my need. I didn't tell him how much I needed or anything like that, as if he you know, didn't, as if he needed to know that. You know, I didn't tell him that. He knows how much I need. I don't even know how much I need. I just told him I need some things today. I need to buy some fruits and vegetables and things and, you know, whatever for my family. And I know you're going to supply my needs. Because you're my father, and you will not deny the faith. And you're not going to be worse than an infidel. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and I went through my day, and I didn't think anything more, except that I had less than $3. And I said, well, let's go spend what we have. So we got in the car that evening with my little girl. Uh, Rachel was just less than two years old, I think. One and something, if that. And um, maybe around one year. And we went to the cheaper store in Bering Spring. There's a more expensive vegetarian health food store called Apple Valley, and we didn't go there uh, because we only had $3 to something, to 65 or something, to 75 So we went to the regular grocery store. Okay? While we were there, 
there was a student there that came with a small bike asking for directions to Apple Valley, which was a mile away. And it was sun was setting, and we had pity on her. And so we said, instead of giving her directions, let's put her bike in our van and take her down there. This is how poor we were. When we got to Apple Valley a mile away, we said, we may as well spend our $3 here because we can't afford the gas to drive back to the, to the, to the cheaper store. That's how poor we were. Like, we couldn't even spend the money to, with gas to go a mile, okay? And so we're like, well, we'll just spend our money here. So we weren't planning on being in Apple Valley that evening. Are you following? Okay? So we walk in, and I've got my $2 and change in my pocket. <laughs> and we walk in, and we get to the fruits and vegetables section. Just straight away, there's a fruits and vegetables section. And there's this lady there, a friend of ours, and she says, Hey, Rich, uh, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. She was a member of our Bible study group that I, I was leading. And she said, yeah, I've been wanting to give you this. And she put, I had a, a work shirt on. I just got off, gotten off of work and I had a, a plaid work shirt and a little pocket here. And she said, I've been wanting to give you this. And she put something in my pocket. And I didn't see what it was. What, whatever it was, I thanked her for it and chatted with her very briefly. And then we went our way and I looked and it was a folded $100 bill. And wow, I mean, but this is not the end of the story. So that, when you don't have money to drive a mile, you know, to another store, $100, you're like the richest person in the world. So I was so happy. I mean, we were like, wow, we can get whatever we need. We can get apples and bananas and garlic and whatever, you know. And we were just putting things in our cart and praising the Lord. And God was just so good to us. And wow, a $100, crisp $100 folded bill, brand new, in, in my pocket. So I get, in the, I get in the checkout line. Our cart is just full of good food. And there's a man behind us that starts talking to us. Oh, cute kid and this and that and the other. And he goes, yeah, I'm a trucker. I'm from Montana. Never been to Bering Springs before. He said, my daughter's graduating. Uh, and uh, he said, so what do you do? I said, I'm in the seminary. Where do you work? I work at the print shop. I was just printing the bulletins for the graduation. He goes, so how's the seminary? He goes, it's hard, isn't it? And I thought, what does he mean, hard? Does he mean hard intellectually? Does he mean hard? What does he mean? You know, do I look stupid? No, I don't know. Uh, I, I just didn't know what he meant. Is it hard? And then he said, I mean financially. And as he said that, he reached forward and he put something in the same pocket and I still hadn't taken out the $100 bill. I left it right there. He put something in the same pocket. And I look at it after our conversation and it's another crisp, folded, almost identical $100 bill. I walked in with less than $3, but I had claimed the promise of God that He would take care of my needs. And I walked out with $203 worth of food and money left over. God is able to bring us souls. The problem is not with God. He has the riches. And I could tell you story after story after story. Amazing miracles have happened in my life as have probably happened in your lives. But we need to claim, we need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Yes, there is a problem. Yes, we face the problem. Yes, we need. But we go to where we can actually get the help. So this is the this is the format of prayer that I um, used when I when I started the PMC um, Pioneer Memorial Church little group that I started. It uh, it's called Pioneer Prayer, and it has an acronym short because long prayers make the saints go to sleep. So, short prayers. 
We can, ex we can pray for extended periods of time, but make sure that the individual people praying pray short prayers so that people can focus. Okay? Um, so short is an acronym, and it stands for, number one, S, scriptural. So we claim the promises. God's promises cannot be broken, and He promised to give us His Holy Spirit. Whatever's in the Word, we can claim. We need to fulfill the conditions. You know, we need to ask to forgive our sins and repent, etc. But we need to claim the promises. So scriptural is the first S. H stands for harmonious. So scripture, harmony. Harmony means that Brother Jason, if Brother Jason prays for the Holy Spirit to uh, give us understanding of his truth, of the Bible, so that we can share it with the community, then someone else should agree with that and say, as Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, we should say, you know, again, we should say amen, and also someone else should try to pray for that. Yes, Lord, please open our minds when we study your word and, and help us to have time for you and please explain what your word means. And we support Jason's prayer. Okay, so harmony. So scripture, harmony. O stands for order. And everything should be done decently and in order. And so prayers should start when they're supposed to start and end when they're supposed to end. In other words, uh, we should, if we want to have a prayer meeting uh, for longer than what we've said, we should let people know that we're going to end at this time. And if people want to go, they can go and, and have a kind of finishing point. Another uh, piece of order is praying loudly enough. Sometimes people pray in a group so quiet no one can hear them. So no one's praying, you know, really, because no one can hear you. <laughs> so uh, take your face out of the pew, lift it up, and pray <laughs> so that we can hear you. Uh, so praying loudly enough. And um, staying on topic. Okay, this was one thing that I emphasized with, um, with our prayer group. There are many needs in the world. I mean, it... <laughs> We have billions of needs in the world, really. I mean, there's billions of people and billions of needs. And so, what is the most important? Well, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so, we should be seeking for his kingdom to be in our hearts, for transformation of character, and essentially for his Holy Spirit. That is the biggest thing that we need. We don't need more people, we need the Holy Spirit. Because if we have the Holy Spirit, we'll have more people. You know, you know what I'm saying? We don't need money even though we need money, what we need is the Holy Spirit so that God can give us wisdom and so that His Spirit can lead us and lead others to have the generosity to support and sustain our efforts, right? So, there's many needs, but I was very firm on this. I said, look, this is not a place where we pray for your neighbor's toe. Um, toes are important and neighbors are important, but what we're asking for is the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, here. That His presence would come and instruct us and empower us here, now, today. We're told in the first volume of the Testimonies, when the subjects of our prayer are at a distance, the time to pray for them is in our closets at home, in public assembly. When we come together, he says, in public assembly, we should be expecting that God will bless and nourish our spirits and our souls here and now. So we're praying to meet God and experience His presence. So, Orderly, staying on topic. We're praying for revival. We're praying for reformation. We're praying for changed hearts. We're praying that we would experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and God would empower us primarily. We can pray for our global church, our local church, pray for the Holy Spirit to bless and strengthen all of the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, healing, faith, 
tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles. These are all gifts that we can pray for. In praying for the Holy Spirit, we're praying for these gifts. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's plenty to pray about within the realm of the Holy Spirit. Are you following? So, staying on topic, R stands for righteousness, uh, which is the righteousness of Jesus. And our prayers should be humble, confessing our sins, private sins privately confessed, public sins publicly confessed. And we need to claim the blood of Jesus and say, Lord, for Jesus' sake, answer these prayers. Bless our church. Give us revival. Give us reformation. Help us. Show us what we should do. But in Jesus' name we pray that because He died for us. And so you're, you're claiming the righteousness of Jesus, confessing your own sins. You have to bathe the prayer in the blood of Jesus. And then a very important key that I found is um, sometimes people start praying for their personal selves and leaving other people out. But what we need to be doing is be inclusive. And so total prayers, T stands for total. Jesus taught us to pray this way, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Right? So it was an inclusive prayer. And so what I what I teach is uh, if, if we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit, if we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to bless our children, don't just pray for your child. Pray for all of our children. Say, Lord, bless our children and bring everybody under that umbrella of prayer so that everybody can actually get a blessing. So scriptural, scripture, harmony, order, righteousness, and uh, total. Um, just a few more promises here. Romans 8.32 uh, God did not spare His own Son, so how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He will pour water upon Him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. He will pour His Spirit upon our children and His blessing upon our offspring. And um, Invisible armies of light and power attend the meek and lowly ones. Excuse me, who attend who believe and claim the promises of God. Every promise in the Word of God is for us. In your prayers, present the pledged Word of Jehovah and by faith claim His promises. His Word is the assurance that if you ask in faith, you will receive all spiritual blessings. Continue to ask and you will receive exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. So, let's talk more prayer. Let's pray. Yes. Signs of the times. Into the time.